Episode 46 Hi, and welcome to The Ultimate Journey, Awakening the Spirit podcast. I'm your host, Frank DeGeneva. Today's episode is called The Son of God. J.P. Morgan once said, Millionaires don't use astrology, billionaires do. Today's podcast is going to be a very interesting one, as I go a little deeper than I have before. So today, we are going to be talking about the sun and religion. Have you noticed that the prophets, the pictures of prophets and deities of all the northern religions have a halo around their head? Well, what if it's not a, a halo? What if Shiva, Jesus, Mithra, Ra, Odin, and all the rest are actually depictions of the sun? And it's really a sun around their head and not the um, halo as most think. And why do the stories of Jesus of Nazareth, Attis and Dionysus of Greece, Horus of Egypt, Krishna of India, and Mithra of Persia, and more than 10 others all share the same story, which is born of a virgin, had 12 disciples, they performed miracles, had an eastern star, were crucified and died and resurrected after three days. And what's with the 12 anyway? In the Bible, there are 12 disciples of Jesus, there's 12 tribes of Israel, 12 brothers of Joseph, 12 judges of Israel, the 12 great patriarchs, 12 kings and princes of Israel. Jesus was 12 when he taught in the temple. You have 12 hours in the day, 12 grades in school, 12 jurors in the court. You know, the 12-step program and the hero's journey is 12 steps. If you want to listen to my previous podcast on fairy tales, legends and myths. So... Anyone familiar with the astrological chart will notice there's a cross in the middle of a circle. The pagans knew this is the astrological cross, and it represents the sun as a circle, and the cross signifies the solstices and the equinoxes. And then it forms a square, and then on the four sides there's four squares that represents the four seasons, spring, summer, winter, and fall. Could it also represent the four gospels of the New Testament? There are 12 houses in astrology. And who builds houses? Well, carpenters do, don't they? And wasn't Jesus' earthly father a carpenter, John? There are 12 astrological signs or catalogs representing the constellations. And this represents Jesus' 12 apostles or disciples. So could the story of Jesus simply be an allegory or an astral theology of God's son, S-U-N, passing through all of the signs? It is said that Jesus has started his ministry at age 30. And then he was crucified at 33. Well, did you know that the sun enters each sign at 30 degrees? And it leaves each at 33 degrees? Now this must sound that I'm grasping at straws or making shit up and stuff. But if you don't look at it, it's it all makes sense with the 12 disciples, the 12 signs, the carpenter builds homes, um, the son of God. So let's get a little bit <laughs> deeper into this and see if the sun could actually be the living savior of humankind, the actual son of God. So we look back into the Egypt, Egyptian teachings, and we'll look at Horus. Horus, the sun, uh, the god of Egypt, had an enemy called Set. So each night they fought and they killed each other. In the morning, Horus killed Set, and at night, Set killed Horus. In simpler terms, um, it's an allegory of night and day. A fight between the good and evil, or evil, or, or light and dark. The sun set kills the 
hours are Horus of the sun. The sunrise dispels the darkness. And then there are two eyes of Horus. I don't know if you know that. Um, the right represents the sun and the left represents the moon. I can hear Ozzy singing over the mountain. <laughs> you don't need no astrology. It's inside of you and me. You don't need a ticket to fly with me. I'm free. So if you notice, Horus is almost spelt and it sounds like hours as in hours of the day. We also have modern day myths that tell this same story. You have Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. Luke means light and Darth means dark. Vader or Vader in Dutch is father. So Luke Skywalker is a son who walks across the sky. Luke Skywalker, he walks across the sky and it is measured in hours or Horus or on the horizon. So Horus is risen, Horus is risen, horizon. <laughs> yeah, okay, this sounds a little bit more than I'm really trying to piece words together, but let's continue. In the day, the sun shines, it gives warmth, it's security, the crops grow, life is good. And at night, it can get pretty dangerous. It gets colder and all the nasty ghouls come out, uh, the predators, and it's not safe at night. So at night, the sun is considered to be dead in the underworld, but gets born again in the morning. So we say good morning, not M-O-R-N, but morning, like your morning, M-O-U-R-N. So we revere the sun and you know, happy morning, <laughs> it's born again, and the Son of God has risen again. So the cross is not a Christian one, but a pagan symbol of the zodiac. Again, if you look at a zodiac, if you get your chart done, you'll see that circle with another circle, and you see like that square, I mean a square, you see the, the cross and the sun, and then you see all the planets and whatever homes or houses, which is built by a carpenter. Now it's time to get your tin foil hat on, because hey... Would, this wouldn't po podcast wouldn't be good if it didn't have didn't have all that. Now, could it be that the world is run by ancient societies and cults who perform dark rituals and follow like solar and planetary deities? You know, and then are they distracting us while they do their rituals to appease these gods? Think about it. We're told by religion not to believe in astrology that it's evil or it's satanic. Yet most of our laws, legal system and banking systems are based following planets and star constellations. But the one that most influences these groups is Saturn and the Saturn worship. But that's another tale for another time. You never know, I may decide to do that as my next podcast, The Cult of Saturn. So we're told not to follow astrology because you may figure out their shenanigans. It may dawn on you, and you <laughs> like in sundawn, and you may rise into knowledge. Every holiday celebration and ritual is planetary and based on astrology, even the days of the week. You have Monday, which is Moon Day, or in Italian, Lunedì. French is Lundi, and in Spanish is Lunis. Tuesday is Mars Day. Martedì, Mardi, or Martes. Wednesday is Mercury Day. Mercoledì, Mercredi, and Mercules. Thursday is Jupiter Day. Giovedì. UD and Weves. Friday is Venus Day, Vendredi, Vendredi and Viernes. Or Viernes. <laughs> I'm sorry to the French and Spanish listeners. I'm botching this up. My apologies. And then Saturday is Saturn Day, the Sabbath, Sabato, Samdi, and Sabado. And Sunday, it's pretty explanatory, isn't it? There's nothing new under the sun. 
our planetary son, the son of God, is the true savior. Now, I'm not denying the existence of God or the existence of Jesus the Christ, or Satan, for that matter. Because I believe as above, so below. There's templates, there's energetic templates. There is, um, I believe there's allegories, metaphors that describe um, the real things. There's a lot of people saying that Jesus didn't exist and everything in the Bible is all symbolic. I don't want to believe that. I choose not to believe that because I do believe in the man. I do believe in the Christ, um, the man becoming the Christ. And Jesus telling us, are showing us, I am the doorway, how to become Christ. You have Krishna, you have the Christ consciousness. Again, that's a whole nother thing. I don't have time to explain all that in today's podcast. So as we gain more information, we can be more discerning. Our faith can actually deepen. It's no longer a hoping, but a knowing. So I'm inviting you not to blindly believe in what we are told. You know, we're given an intellect to use, you know, use our discernment. It's like trusting only one news source without questioning it. And this is very dangerous. We need to challenge things like science. I mean, if you can't question it, it, it's not science anymore. It's a cult. Something is fact until it can be proven otherwise. With science, you have to recreate the result consistently until it can't be. In etymology, it says religion in Latin means, or in Italian or in Latin, I don't remember. It means relegare, to bind or to rebind. So is religion meant to control us? Do we give these holy men our blind submission? Do we acquiesce to an authority so it negates or reduces our responsibility for our sinful actions? You know, this only empowers those who know the truth and use the myth to control and manipulate those who know not what they do. I do believe in Jesus as a teacher and prophet, so I'm not telling you not to believe. Again, as above, so below. Now, to prove that the Bible and religion is... There's a deeper allegorical meaning to the good book. Let's go to the greatest story ever told that was told at least 16 times throughout history, throughout the ages. The ultimate journey is the story of the sun going around all the constellations. The fight of good and evil, light and dark, the sun rise and the sun set. So let's use Jesus and the Christian model to explain this truly amazing story. So you already know the 12 disciples, born of a virgin, died, crucified, died, and resurrected, and the Eastern star and all that stuff. So this is just the Jesus story. And it's, as I said, it's been said many, many times before. Now, this is going to blow you away, or it's not. It'll resonate. Or you'll say, Frank is, is a Satanist, or he's, he's, <laughs> he's in a cult. He's, I mean... You just think what you want to think. I know what I have in my heart. And um, I already gave you a couple hints of where I'm at. But this is just interesting. So buckle up and let's go. So if you replace Jesus with the word son, S-U-N, you'll start seeing the bigger picture here. So the son of God, the S-U-N of God, in, what was it? It was John eighteen twelve. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not be in darkness. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in from the clouds with great power and glory. Mark thirteen twenty six, John 9, 5. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Romans thirteen twelve. Let us cast out the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Psalms eighty four eleven. 
For the Lord God is the Son. John 19.5 Then came Jesus forth wearing a crown of thorns. Now if you look at the Son's crown and thorns, it's the crown of the rays. If you look at it, the Son, you see like it, all those thorns on it. And have you noticed at dawn, when the sun's rays hit the water, it seems like it's walking on the water or reflecting off of it? And then we get to how Jesus turned water into wine from grapes on the vine or on the vine, <laughs> the divinity of the grapes. So the rain falls down into the ground and goes into the soul and goes into the grapes, which eventually ferment and turn into wine. And the sun gives vitamin D and can heal the sick. So does this feel like I'm using uh, play on words? Let's go deeper. And this is hard to deny what I'm going to say now. It's the greatest story ever told and how it repeats every year. The never-ending story. The never-ending story. No, no, no. Every astrological sign has a story associated to it. Although not biblical in order, you'll not only understand, but understand the true story of how the Son of God passes through each sign of the Zodiac. Of the Zodiac. <laughs> Zodiac. It's an act, right? Uh, there's so many people acting that they know what they're, what, they're, what, they're, what they're talking about, but they don't know. They do, but they don't. Also, it's how the Son delivers us from evil, of sin. And that's a whole other thing, too. The sin is darkness. Darkness cannot exist in the light of God. So the Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. This is the sun in the sign of Capricorn. And Capricorn is the goat, the Lamb of God. And the days begin to get brighter in the sky. And if you notice, Jesus is often depicted as having a lamb around his shoulders. You know, lamb of God and all that stuff. So, Okay, so the sun goes into 30 degrees and he dies at 33. Well, not he, the sun. The sun begins, or Jesus now begins his ministry by being baptized after leaving Capricorn. As you may have heard in a prior podcast, the new year really is in Aries as it's the first month of the year, not in Capricorn. Aquarius is a water bearer, the man pouring out the water. Yeah, John is baptizing and pouring the water over Jesus. So after his baptism by John, Jesus gets tempted. He walks for 40 days and 40 nights, and he gets tempted by the devil after his 40 days and 40 nights. And he had no food. He was fasting. So it's pretty, pretty prime for temptation. Okay, so then now the sun leaves and goes... To the other sign, and if you know your astrology, you're going to anticipate what I'm going to say next. Jesus then meets two fishermen, Simon Peter and Andrew. Now the sign of Pisces is represented by, you guessed it, two fish. Then he travels east from March to April. And that's when spring comes. And now we're in April. So the sun passes over the equinox. And for the Jewish faith, it's the Passover, the passing over of the equinox, the sun. Easter is the first Sunday after the full moon, after the equinox. And Easter is also based on Ishtar, the pagan religion. So that's a whole other one too. I'd love to talk more about this, but I got to get through all this material here. So the sun has officially beaten the darkness, spring, Aries. It's a new life, the savior, the spring, the, everything starts growing. And the full moon lights the sky so everybody can celebrate. The sunrise, he has risen, Sunday. So Christians don't celebrate the sun's resurrection until Easter. Some believe that after three days, Jesus left the tomb, but he didn't see his shadow, so he went back inside. 
<laughs> Pum pum. Just add that joke here. <laughs> Some Christians actually mistaken the saying of in the name of the Father, in the Son, and in the Holy Ghost as into the Holy Ghost. Do we have a laugh track here or something? I need some help. Maybe my Gemini friends will, will laugh at that. And that's exactly what the sun is. And what follows Aries is Gemini, the twins, the constellations of Castor and Pollux. Now you have doubting Thomas who didn't believe anything unless he saw it. I don't think, I don't remember the whole theory if he believed in the crucifixion or not. But a lot of people say that Thomas means twins. So that's congruent with the Gemini. So now we hit summer, June 21st, the summer solstice. We're in Cancer, the longest day, and the sun is in the highest. Hosanna in the highest, the, si the most north. Oh, sun in the highest. Maybe I'm making that up, but it sounds good to me. <laughs> so this is Cancer moving into the sign of Leo. Now the sun starts going south on June 22nd, because it was going north before. At the winter solstice, can't even say that properly, solstice, solstice. Now I'm not going to try to sing the Lion King, la 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 la, I'm boy. <laughs> I tried, but I'm not going to try it, because I don't know it. I know people that can say that perfectly. So now we're in the Suns in Leo. The Lion King is the strongest of all animals. It's the king of the tribe of Judah, Lion the King. Summer sun is the hottest in July and August. So the August sun brings the harvest of Virgo. So the sun falls from Leo into autumn. So now we get to Virgo, the virgin. And this sign is the bear of the wheat bear or the corn sheaf. Virgo represents Bethlehem. It is the house of bread. It means the house of bread or meat. You can look that up. So Jesus is born of the virgin, the virgin Mary. For those of you who know astrology, you know that Virgo is the symbol of Virgo written is the M. And it's interesting to note that Adonis's virgin mother is Mira. Mira? Buddha's virgin mother is Maya. All M's. Even Anakin Skywalker's virgin mother is Shmi. <laughs> Maybe that's a stretch there, but Shmi, it's still an, still a, still an M there. Okay, so the sun leaves Virgo, it gets born under Virgin Mary, and the sun now moves into Libra, which is represented by the scales. Now, who uses scales? The farmers do, the way of the food. They trade for money. And this is where Jesus overturns the scales of the tables. So there was the market where the last harvest is, you know, it's all sold and... You know, and then you have Last Supper, which is the bounty of the harvest or the feast, the great feast of all the crops being traded, being sold and all that stuff. Now, this next one is one of my aha moments. Well, December was an aha moment, but this was a really aha moment. So we're in Scorpio now. The sun's in, in, in Scorpio. It's October, November. And Scorpio is Judas, who betrayed Jesus with a kiss. Now, if you look at a Scorpio, the stinger of a Scorpio, it looks like lips, the mafia kiss of death. So when you look at a scorpion sting, it looks like someone's kissed you. Now, the kiss of death to the sun, the sun begins to die because now the, the, day, the days are shorter and they're much more noticeable now. Uh, you can see the sun in the, in the kind of when it's Scorpio time and um, Halloween, it gets darker and it's like 
It's starting to get gloomy for the sun. It's starting to get down. <laughs> now we have Sagittarius, which is November, December. And the archer hunter on the horse is Sagittarius. This is a time where animals are ready to be hunted. They've eaten, they're fat, they're mature, and it's about to hunt. Now Sagittarius is Pontius Pilate, which means armed with spear. And Jesus, uh, for those of you who know the story, when he was on the cross, was impaled with a spear. So that all lines up as well. Now we come to the end and the new beginning of our story. Do you know what the true meaning of the crucifixion is? Well, on December 21st, the winter solstice, Jesus, Son of God, dies on the cross, and it resides on the Southern Cross, or crux. The shortest day of the year and the least amount of light comes from the sun. So for three days, it sits dead. But on the third day, on December 25th, the Son of God rises from the dead. He's resurrected and he is risen. Jesus is born. So that's why the 25th, so from the 21st, then you have three days in between and the sun rises. Now here's the crazy part. Sirius is known as the brightest star in the constellation of Orion. This celestial body is commonly known as the star of the east, the star of Bethlehem. So on December 24th, it aligns with the three brightest stars in Orion's belt. And these are depicted as the three kings or the three wise men. So this alignment points to the location of the birth or the rise of the sun on the December 25th. The three kings follow the star of Sirius in the east to point at the horizon where the sun will rise and be born again. So the star, now the sun starts going north and, and getting more light. So if you look at it, if you want to visualize, if you look straight ahead, you have the three stars on the upper right of the corner, which is an alignment, like a if you draw a straight line, the three wise men, the, the, the three kings, the three stars, are in alignment with Sirius. And if you keep doing that trajectory, where that line hits on the horizon is where the sun's going to come up. So that's the whole story of the three wise men following the star of Bethlehem to find the sun that's being born. So there you have it. It all happens again and again each and every year. This is the one-year story. Now, I'm going to talk about another one, a bigger story still. And it's called the Great Year. And it's when the sun enters each new age or sign. So this is the procession of the equinoxes, is when the constellations go backwards instead of the yearly cycles. So instead of June, July, August, the signs move from August to July to June. And each um, cycle takes the sun 2,150 years to transit each constellation. After it moves through all 12, the great year is completed. When one huge age, I don't know, there's different, um, different um, faiths and cultures call it, I don't know if it's a yuga, I don't, I don't think that's correct because I think a yuga is not 26,000 years. So the great cycle, the great year is 26,000 years. So it's all 12 of these. So the Bible talks about these ages. And again, it's allegorical. Let's look at the last three, beginning from ancient Egypt. So Moses comes down the Mount, Mount Sinai. And I was going to say something about Sinai, sin, S-I-N-I-A-I. Okay, now I won't talk about it. So Moses comes down the Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments or the New Laws. The Israelites were parting and worshipping a statue of a golden bull or calf. But if you know your astrology, the bull represents Taurus. 
And Moses came down to usher in the new 2,150-year age of Aries, the Ram, Abram, Abraham. Interestingly, the Hindus worship Brahma, which is the same as Abraham, but just the A is placed in front of it. You write it down. Just write down Brahma, B R um, Brahma, yeah, B R A M, no, B R H A M A, and then just put the A in front of the B, and it's and it's just, it becomes Abraham. So, it's all connected. Just like Mithra, the pre-Christian god, kills a bull to to symbolize bringing in the new age and renouncing the now defunct old age of Taurus. I mean, you can find this everywhere. It's not just the Bible. You're gonna see a pattern now. So the Israelites don't listen to Moses and they reject him. They don't want to shed the old age for the new. And if you know, the ancient Jews in religious ceremonies blew the, I hope I say this right, the shofar. It's a natural trumpet made from the what? The ram's horn, which is Aries, the ram. You know, it also looks like a crescent moon. So, you know, like it's, it's moving from Taurus to Aries. And it was it was not it wasn't accepted, the new age. So the story of Moses, I want to just add this, was also ripped off many times, like Jesus. You know, the baby in the basket put into a river to avoid infanticide. I don't know if I said that right. Uh, rescued and raised by royalty. And you have Sargon's birth in 2250 BC is the same. You have Manu of India, Minos of Crete, Mises of Egypt. They were all lawgivers. Notice that they all begin with the letter M. Hmm. M in 007. Interesting. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe just uh, having fun with that one. So this pattern continues for all the following ages. Jews don't accept the new age that Jesus ushered in, which was Pisces and represented by the two fish. Jesus feeds 5,000 people with two fish. Now, if you remember from podcast 31, Pisces... In the astrological um, map is the feet. So if you notice in the Bible, in the times of Jesus, the washing of the feet was very customary. The Pope wears a, uh, a meter that looks like a, well, it's a fish, basically. <laughs> the Pope hat is a, is a fish. So everyone that has that sticker, bumper sticker of the fish that says Jesus on it, don't know, or maybe you do know, that you're worshiping a pagan symbol an astrological age of a Pisces. And paganism is saturated in so many other so-called Christian observances and celebrations. Speaking of which, Christians don't accept the new age of Aquarius. Just like the Israelites didn't want to um, follow Moses to the new age, they're resistant. Christians don't want to accept the new age of Aquarius. You know, it's the new age, it's demonic. And the funny thing is, is that Jesus even spoke about this as well, but it fell on deaf ears. In Luke 22:10, when his disciples asked where the next Passover will be when he's gone, Jesus says, Behold, when ye are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entered in. Well, <laughs> the water bearer represents the age of Aquarius. So the end times isn't what many people think it is. It's just the end of an age. Now, people talk about the Antichrist and the Apocalypse. But let's break those down too. Antichrist in Greek means to take place of or in the place of Christ in this case. And apocalypse means to reveal what was hidden. 
Something special is happening in the age of Aquarius, and I believe the elite and secret societies know what it is. So what is next? Who's going to be the new sun god, and who's going to replace Jesus? Who or what is going to take that title? Is this what all the fuckery going on in the world is about today? You know, like, is there maybe going to be another battle, another plague, you know, a UFO attack in the sky? Because the world has gone to shit, and I don't know, some crazy stuff happening now out there, so... Maybe this is the setup for the age of Aquarius. And again, everything is all symbolic. So put your thinking caps on, figure it out yourself, you know? Now, before moving on, I want to finish my theory and thoughts about the ages. So I'm going to just go from Leo. I haven't quite pieced everything out together. I just went as far back as Leo. So Leo was 8,000 BC. And this was when uh, the, the sun was worshipped fully, the Stone Age. I don't know, some people have claimed that that was the the ice melting and stuff. But I believe that the pyramid was built in the age of Leo because the Sphinx is a lion. So, I mean, that's just my thoughts on it. And then you have Cancer because we're going, the, uh, the procession is going the other way. So Cancer is uh, around 6,000 to 6,450 BC. And it's the age of the mother, the moon worshiping, the birthing, the great flood. I believe this is the great flood because cancer is emotion, is water. Um, it's also the moon, for those of you who know astrology again. And I really believe that the great flood happened and it was the birth of civilization as we know it now. And the flood happened after the pyramid. Those studying Lemurian um, and um, Lemurian, no, Atlantis actually, sorry, Lemurian was even before was that the, apparently the great, uh, all, all the elders and the, and the priests went to, uh, they knew Atlantis was sinking, so they went and they built a pyramid uh, in Egypt to protect themselves for the great flood. So it was built as a safeguard against it and amongst other major other things with the stars and the, I believe it's a power generator. Oh, I can go on and on. But the cancer is uh, represents the matriarchy and the feminine Gemini is um i think it was 6450 to about 4300 bc this is the sumer the mesopotamia assyria um the trade i think this i don't know whether when the admiralty law admiralty law came and the phoenicians i think but anyway it's the twins this was when um this could be the, the phoenicians too because um communication intellect you know hermes um the phonetics phoenicians comes from phonetics phonics phoenician so yeah so we get to Taurus now, which is uh, 4,300 to 2,150, the age of the bull. We already went through that, right? Through the golden calf. It represents the earth, the birth of agriculture, and the banking system, you know, the bull and Wall Street, the, the markets. Oh, God, I need another do another podcast on that whole stuff, too. And then we get to the Aryan age, which is 2,152, 1 AD, which is Aries, the fire, represents fire. The and the Ram, Rama, even Rama in Hindu. And then we get to the Piscean Age, which is 1 AD to 2000 to whatever. And this is when um, um, I believe monotheism and spirituality, kind of multi-gods went into the monotheism. Um, and of course, the fish and Jesus. Now we're into the Aquarian Age, which is now <laughs> until, I don't know, 4300 AD. This represents freedom, technology, air, uh, space, wireless communication. And again, who's going to be the representation of the sun 
to usher in this new age? Are they going to put another another <laughs> book or another a bunch of books to to the Bible? Is going to be three? It's going to be added. It's it, we live in an amazing times, and just to figure out what the next representation is going to be. And I think there's a battle going on between the good and the light to establish that. I think whoever gets a foothold on it can can control a lot. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. So, uh, lastly, I want to talk about the inner light or the inner sun within ourselves and what Jesus was really trying to teach us. You know, I am the way about the Christ consciousness, about Krishna. So, again, I believe Jesus. I'm not a Satanist. I'm not a devil worshiper. But <laughs> what I'm going to say next, you might really feel that I've gone off the deep end and I'm... Um, I'm praying to the wrong God. But let's hear me out and let's let's um, unpack this now. Okay, this brings us to King Solomon. The biblical King Solomon was known for his wisdom, his wealth, and his writings. Solomon in Hebrew is Shilomo. I think it's how you say it. Which is derived from Shalom, which means peace. The name Solomon is derived from the three words, Sol, Om, and An. Some believe Sol, Oman, or Sun and Moon, and the O is a time loop or something. But the secret teachings call Solomon the spirit of universal illumination, mental, spiritual, moral, and physical. So Sol, S-O-L, means sun. And Om, for those of you who know how to do meditation, is a Sanskrit word of God of all things, the energy, the cosmic engine that holds the universe together. I have a tattoo of that on my arm. And interestingly, an ohm, OHM, is a unit of measure for electrical resistance in a circuit. Or in the case of meditation, the electrical resistance from your brain to your brain that allows the proper flow of electrical energy spirit. So we have to shut the mind down. Resistance. Interesting. So ohm, in ancient Greek, it's a Greek word for omega, which is the last letter of the alphabet. The word omega means the great ohm. And this is where it's cool. The Greek lowercase letter of omega, when turned on its side, looks very similar to the Sanskrit way of writing om. You see, like, it looks like a three. Yeah, so the ancient Egyptians knew of om as Amon or Amun, and in Christianity it evolved to Amen, and the Lord Jesus refers to himself as the Amen, or the, the faithful and true witness. In Revelation 3.14, I said, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end the first, and the last. So now we get to On, O-N, which happens to be the name of the ancient city of the sun called Heliopolis. Um, you know, you turn on the power supply. So the city was the main, the main city for sun worship in Egypt. Um, and the sun god Ra, Amun, Amun-Ra, Amen-Ra, etc. Now here's where it gets kind of interesting. Some say Sol, S-O-L, represents the second sun which is the planet Jupiter. And it was often referred to as the soul of the world. So I don't know if we're all sons of Jupiter or if these, the deities are, you know, the sun. But Jupiter is referred to or is called a failed star because it was made up of the same elements of hydrogen and helium as the sun is. But it wasn't big enough for, um, had the internal pressure and temperature necessary to cause the hydrogen to fuse to helium. You know, the energy source that, that powers the sun. And scientists have said that the red eye in Jupiter 
is composed of massive amounts of phosphine or red phosphorus. This is where it starts getting kind of freaky. So the state of being or the power supply is derived from the chemical energy of phosphorus. Phosphorus is the very chemical life force of spirit and universal illumination, mental and spiritual, moral and physical, what King Solomon was talking about. So phosphorus is essential for all life on earth. Basically, without, without it, you know, we humans would not even be human because the consciousness and our spiritual energy wouldn't exist. The ancient wisdom teachers knew that it was from Jupiter where humans derived their energy supply known as phosphorus, or which is the alpha and the omega of Earth. They say phosphorus is the only chemical left of life when we cross over to the other realm. So it's our light. So this begs the question, are we the children of Jupiter who shine the light of God on Earth in order to illuminate humanity, to become solomans, sol, om, ans, sun, energy, light? <laughs> Alchemically, we must think, eat, and live right to balance these chemical energies within us. So we are operating you know, at optimal human levels. This way we can become spiritually enlightened beings. And King Solomon said, the first step in learning is bowing down to God. Only fools thumb their noses at such wisdom and learning. And the Egyptians, the body is the house of God. Man, know thyself, and thou shalt know the gods. As above, so below. As within, so without. Okay, this is where it gets to be a little challenging for a lot of people. And I'm sure you'll resist this. I did because I'm like, oh God, this is crazy now. You're sitting down? <laughs> so Christ and Lucifer and the element of phosphorus. So in Greek, phos means light and phoros means bearer. In the Bible, Lord, Lucifer, and Christ, and so Lord in the second Peter 119, um, Lucifer was referred to in Isaiah 1412 and Christ in Revelations 2216. All of these passages, all of them, referred them to the morning star, phosphorus. So how can we have Lord, Lucifer, and Jesus all being referred to the light bearer, the morning star? What the hell is up with that? Now here's the thing. Lucifer doesn't appear in the Hebrew, Essene, or Greek Bibles. And these predate the Latin and English Bibles of today. So Lucifer is a literal Latin translation of the Greek word phosphorus. So this has caused a lot of confusion, fear, and judgment. You know, the misleading information and translation. What the fuck's Frank saying? <laughs> you know, is he trying to mislead us into evil? So this is a misleading translation of evil. So let's look at phosphorus for a second. Phosphorus is an essential element for all life forms. And it's, you know, it can be found in the soil or sediment of the soil. And it's an essential component of adenosine, I think it's called triphate, triphosphate, ATP, which is the, the fuel um, that um, transports chemical energy to the cells. Like it feeds our mitochondria. Um, it's also found in the food, in the water, and of course, the celestial planet of Jupiter. <laughs> so, luciferase, you might have been hearing this in the news uh, lately. It's a bioluminescent thing. It's, it glows in the dark. And if you notice fireflies, they make this. Uh, I think they, uh, in their stomachs, they, they use luciferian or 
an enzyme called luciferase. <laughs> Ooh, right? Um, and it's it, it's very important for, for our cells. So the ATP um, in our cells, which fuels our mitochondria, as I said. So lucifer is in our bone marrow, cerebral spinal fluid in our blood. <laughs> Basically, lucifer gives life, phosphorus. And it's essential to our RNA and DNA, believe it or not. You know, it's through our DNA, which um, it contains phosphorus. That, you know, through our DNA, we can become conscious to the world and who we are in order to live in the light. So this is where it gets really, really weird, you know. So let's, for an example, um, when a guy ejaculates, he, he jerks off, um, there's phosphorus in his sperm, the lucifer, the light. And that light is transformed into Satan when he, when he, when he leaves it. When the light leaves his body, um, there's more light that leaves you. And the darkness increases inside you. So, and then, you know, some people call this darkness, you know, ego, lust. So when we're, we're not disciplined and we exert our light, we go into the darkness. This could be an allegory about sin, being disciplined, and going back to the King Solomon about living with discipline, with integrity. Um, yeah, so it all ties in somehow. So the Greek word for Christ is Christos, which means a crystalline oil or substance. You know, you carry the light of Christ within us. <laughs> Lucifer. Now, here's a crazy thing. Now, if you know what gematria is, it's a practice of assigning numbers to letter vibration. So, one is A, two is B, and so on. Just like numerology, everything has a vibration to it. So, if you put, or add the numbers, or put this in a gematria um, calculator, you have Lucifer. So, you put L-U-C-I-F-E-R. And that numerical value equals 74. If you do Jesus, you do the same thing. The vibration of Jesus and numerically is 74. And if you add 7 and 4 together, you get 11. So if you put those two, Lucifer and Jesus, or Jesus and Lucifer together, you get, you ready? 11, 11. <laughs> so the question is here. So does Jesus Christ, Lucifer, Shiva, Horus and all and all the all the all the, the deities refer to phosphorus and the light within us? Or is this a total mind fuck from Satan to secretly worship Satan? That's the question, right? That's the whole work. So the more you learn about the Bible, the more you learn about the sun, the astrology, and how everything works together, the more you can make up your own mind. My advice to you is just to go in your heart. And feel if it feels like love and you feel love in the, in the light of source and there's no angst there's no um, nervousness there's no feeling rushed or judgment then I think it's a good light if there's panic if there's ego involved that there's like you know some materialism going on or domination or thoughts of overpowering anybody you know it's not a good light so this is the whole thing like I've shared all this with you today in this podcast, just to open up your eyes and not to renounce your religion, not to renounce our religion, and not to say that Lucifer is the way. I mean, there are people that believe Lucifer is God, and more people believe that Lucifer is the devil. So use your own discernment. There are so many versions and translations and language barriers written these Bibles are just 
filtered through so many translations, it's passed so many hands. I always think of playing broken telephone in grade school, actually in kindergarten, where we'd all sit in a circle. And one kid would tell a story, just a sentence, like the girl went down the hill and fetched a pail of water, and then she went back up, but she kind of fell down, whatever. By the time it got back to the 10th person, it was a totally different story because it's been filtered and changed and different through different belief systems and all that. So how do you trust writings that's been changed so many hands? I mean, Kings, King James, King, you know, some people don't even like, they don't even trust Kings to, you know, would you want a King or a Queen or a politician to write your Bible? I <laughs> mean, the way out is the way in. You have to, f- we, we, we hold all the wisdom within us. And then they tell us not to meditate because that's evil too, or doing postures is evil. So we got to cut through the shit and figure this out. <laughs> I think I'm done this podcast. This has been a pretty heavy duty podcast. And we're about 45 minutes here without the, the bumpers and the intro naturals. So thank you for sticking around and taking the journey within me around the sun. I just want to um, make an amendment to the real astrologers out there that said, hey, you miss Taurus when you're talking about the sun. <laughs> I did because I can't figure it out. I have, I have to still study that. Maybe Jesus comes on an ox or something. <laughs> anyway, until next time, I'm your host, Frank DiGenova. Thank you for listening to The Ultimate Journey, Awakening to Spirit podcast. Join me again next time for more spiritual talk. You can reach me at info at the ultimate journey, awakening to spirit.com. And you can also visit my website, the ultimate journey, awakening to spirit.com. Until next time, walk in love and in gratitude.